So the, the opportunity for us to, the, the stigma that I'm thinking about um, on a day like today is this idea that church really looks like one person talking to a hundred. And that there's somehow there's something special around the one person, the man of God that hears from God. And there's definitely truth to that. That is definitely part of what church should be and is. And I think, though, that we often forget the fact that for thousands of years, people didn't have Bibles. And the way that the stories of God were passed on from one generation to the next was by verbally telling these stories about what God had done among his people. And then we, we after you know, they create the printing press, we've got Bibles and we're able to, to dive into the word of God. But there's also this idea of something called a testimony, where we actually talk about what God is doing in our life. And through that process, we gain community and we gain faith and we gain this perspective that we're not necessarily alone in what we're dealing with. And the fact that there is hope that God is alive and that he has a story to tell through me. And so today is about understanding that God has a story to tell, and, and he's going to tell it through four students today. And before we jump in, I wanted to give you just a few things to challenge you to think about what God is doing in your life. And here's a few things that I think are really, really important when it comes to this, because we don't always prioritize it. Number one, I think that it's important for us to spend time actually understanding what God is doing in our life. And the way that I like to think about it is like, where have I been, where am I now, and where am I going? And, and those three kind of like categories help us to art, kind of like understand what God is doing in our heart. But you've got to spend time to actually understand that. You've got to spend some time. And what would your life look like if you were to say, I'm going to spend some time answering the question, where have I been, where am I now, and where am I going? The second thing that I think is important for us is to actually do the work of articulating what it is that God is doing in our life. And this can be hard. These students have, have prepared something. Some of them are like kind of like coming up here and literally giving something that they feel is on their heart at the moment. And, and either way, they're, they're, they're forcing themselves to stand before you and articulate what God is doing in their life. And this can be really hard because as we grow older, oftentimes we, get, we put up more walls and we protect and we, we don't necessarily want to be up in front of somebody sharing and we don't necessarily know if we'll have the right words. And so sometimes we need the help of other people to give us ideas about what those words might sound like or look like for what God is doing in our life. The third thing is to actually share your story. This is probably the hardest part, maybe, is because you actually have to get up here and stand with one of these in your face and talk about what God is doing in your life. And most of you, when I announced that you could share about what God is doing in your heart, most of you are like, I don't necessarily like speaking in public. I freak out. I would never like to do that. But you know what? There's others of us that have said, you know what? I feel like God wants me to share. And those are the students that are sharing today. So actually sharing your story can be tough, and it can be tough because there's just this, as we grow older, we, we, we build that wall up. Um, the fourth thing is, is actually a discernment thing, is to just determine what parts of our story should be told to whom and to and when and where. So this is about reading the room and saying, all right, well, you know what? This is probably appropriate today, but maybe there's other things. And a lot of us love to talk. 
And we love to share our story and talk about things about what's going on in our life. And sometimes we can be like overwhelming. Like we can like overwhelm people and freak them out. And so I think we have to do the work to say, okay, what is it that I need to share right now with this person when I'm trying to share what God's doing in my life? And then the, uh, the fifth thing, um, there's only 17 of these, all right? So just slow down. Um, the fifth thing is, is really important to me personally, but also just I think I've watched it transform people's lives. Is when you go through your story and you're able to find a redemptive perspective on the hard parts of your story. So all of us have a hard moment or many moments that are difficult in our story. But here's what the author, um, Victor Frankl, I believe is his name. He survived the Holocaust in a concentration camp. And he wrote a book about it. And it's amazing. And he said that a candle cannot shed light unless it burns. And in the same way that when we, our lives go through hard times, when they burn a little bit, those moments God wants to use so that you can shed light to other people and help them see that there is hope even though times are hard. I think that a lot of times what we do is we, we, we have these hard moments, something that was done to us, something that we did, something that happened, and we, we have a wound in that spot, and we don't want to go back there because how many of you know that an open wound is painful? So when we have that, we don't want anyone going by that because it hurts. But when we allow Jesus in there and we allow ourselves to go there and to ask that question, what is the redemptive part of what happened? Where was God in that moment? And that can be a really hard question, especially if something that happened was very traumatic in your life. But here's what's awesome is as God brings healing to those wounds, those become places where you can stand and testify to God's goodness, even though times were hard. Um, knowing what some of the students are going to be sharing today, you'll be able to see that live in examples today, which is awesome. And then the last thing that I'll share with you is this. Whenever it comes to testimonies and sharing, one of the things that we have to be able to do is not just share our story well, but we need to listen well. And, and so today, as these students come and share with us, I want us to be listening really well. Because I believe that what you're going to find in these stories is you're going to find common ground with somebody who might be your peer. It might be somebody who is half your age, but you're going to actually be able to hear some things today. And God's going to use what they share with you to actually connect to you and understand that we are all in this together. Are you guys good? Okay. I think we're good. So. Let's give it up for Jesse Kilbride as she comes up to share her stuff. All right, here we go. Well, good morning, everyone, or afternoon, I guess. Um, so I'm Jesse Kilbride. As some of you may know, I'm a senior at Olivet. And so over the past four years, especially just this year, I've realized the importance of what Joe was just stressing is just sharing your story and sharing your testimony despite how hard, uncomfortable, and like, ah, all the feelings you may feel, et cetera, et cetera. And so today I'm gonna share something that I'm still struggling with that happened like eight years ago, but that's just part of our testimony. Sometimes there's things that happen to us in life or things that we go through that we just will always will be uh, a special place in our heart, but something that we'll just have to carry with us. But 
it doesn't lose power in healing and praying for God for that and in sharing it. And so about eight years ago now, um, I almost lost my best friend. They had two weeks left to live, which is really, really hard, and it's hard to watch how that happened. Um, I have a younger sister. She's a year younger than me. Her name is Abby, but I call her Snabbers. Um, and I love her to pieces. We are, are like very opposite, but yet very similar at the same time. And so I was always her go-to person. We always hung out 24-7 because like she's a year younger than me. So I've never known life without her. And so she would get very anxious when she goes to school, but that's okay because I was always there. So whenever she transitioned to a new school, because our school system was a little bit weird. So we moved to like four different schools um, just because I'm from a really, really small town. And so it'd be fine because I was there. Well, it was, she was transitioning into high school and all of a sudden stuff wasn't fine. It's like I wasn't enough for her and I couldn't be there enough for her. And I just really struggled with that. And so she stopped eating um, completely. She was still in track and everything. And I had to explain, um, help my mom write a note because it was just really hard that she can't do sports anymore because she's losing so much weight. She's not eating at all. And it's hard to watch somebody just starve themselves to death. I remember uh, she was so cold all the time that I would just pick her up and we'd sit out in the sun for hours in the spring. Um, it was just really hard. And then we were in the ER one night and she wasn't doing well at all. She was very, very thin. The doctor said she maybe had two weeks left to live, which is hard for a freshman high schooler, a little Jesse Kilride to hear that she's losing not only her best friend, but her sister and something. Um, we've always done everything together. Um, so that was really, really tough to hear, to try and process. And so that whole summer she was in Chicago. And um, I've had several concussions. But this is like a chunk of my life that I don't remember anything that happened during the summer. I don't remember any of those three months because it was just so hard for me. But I do remember when I went up and saw her and visited her. And so um, not really sure why God called me to share that story. But um, sometimes it's not necessarily things we go through, but things that we go through with people that are just as much of a struggle and just as hard. And it's still we're still working through it. Um, we still have our struggles and our family's still working through that. But I think it's just powerful in sharing our testimonies. Um, this year has been rough. As some of you, some of you might know, and if you want to talk, we can talk about it. Um, it's had its own ups and downs. But what, if anything, I regret over the four years is not opening up soon enough and sooner with people until this year. So my goal this year was like, Jess, God, we're doing this. We're going to heal together. We're going to get through this together. And so that's been my primary goal. And it has been hard. It, there's been a lot of tears. It hasn't been fun, but it's so important for healing and so important for other people. Um, and so I went to Honduras this past spring break, which was awesome. And our leader read this book called Draw the Circle. It's a 40-day prayer challenge. And I've referenced it many times in different classes and speaking and all that stuff because it's just that powerful. And so I wanted to read a section. Um, it's about testimonies. Um, it's called Give a Testimony, Get a Testimony. And so it says, when God answers a prayer, no matter how big or how small, we need to share it. It's a stewardship issue. If we don't send the answer to prayer and to praise, it may very well turn into pride. Giving a testimony is the way we give God all the glory. But we also need to share it because others need to hear it. If we don't share our testimonies of how God is working in our lives, then others are tempted to think he isn't working at all. Jesus triumphed over the enemy by his shed blood of Calvary's cross. He broke the curse of sin so we can break the cycle of sin, but the way we seal the victory is through our testimonies. Our testimonies don't just remind us that the victory has already been won, they also remind the enemy that he's already been defeated. 
So those tes our testimonies double as prophecies. When we share a testimony, we are loaning our faith to others. When we listen to a testimony, we are borrowing faith from others. Either way, the church is edified and God is glorified, which is the ultimate goal. And so when we share our testimonies, it's like three things happen. One, like it's internal healing for us. Two, it's like helping that other person because I've opened up to some people I don't even know, and they're going through the same thing, and I'm like, what? How? Why? Like, what is going on? And then three, like, God is moving and he's working. He's being glorified through your testimony. And so today I kind of just wanted to drive home, like, we all have testimonies, but we also all need to give our testimonies and to share our stories, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, um, no matter how hard it may be, with somebody, because that's just um, a way God can be glorified. And um, another thing I want to point out, because I have some spare time, so I didn't think I <laughs> I thought I made a ramble a bit more, but I'm actually very nervous. So that's pretty cool, you know. Um, so another thing is, is like some of you may be like, well, I haven't been through a lot, or I haven't faced a lot, or maybe you play the comparison game. But if you pray to God, he will answer. And I definitely believe in divine appointments. So if you pray, God, I want you to move in my life. God, I want you to break down these walls. God, fill in the blank. He will do it. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, as Joe said, I don't know how many sermons ago, but it still sucks like me. Like we're on this boat and we're constantly traveling. And sometimes we're traveling just on the sea. Other times we're traveling straight towards the storm. Other times we're in the storm. But then we also come out of the storm. And it's when we come out of the storm that we're stronger and our spiritual relationship with God has strengthened. So I just pray, uh, no, I just challenge you guys to be vulnerable. It's uncomfortable, it's not easy. It's not easy coming up here and other people are gonna share and they probably feel the same way, but it's so stinking awesome um, just to see and let God move and work through you. And I can't explain or put words to it, like the internal healing that happens and just how different you feel. So that's what I got. Hi. <laughs> I'm Emma Kanabi. Hello. It's good to see all of you. Um, the last night, I just like read that off while I was explaining myself. You guys can read it. I trust you. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can see up there, uh, I'm, I'm a youth minister major, so hopefully at some point I'll be a youth pastor or something like that. Um, so I would like to be a pastor, and being faithful is one of the hardest things I do, personally, regularly. It's not easy for me at all. And coupling that with, like, my career trajectory has been really rough. You know, like, I don't feel cut out for it. I don't think anyone in this position feels cut out for it, but, like, why me if I just don't believe stuff sometimes, right? Um, so I've actually wanted to talk about this for three years now. This is the third college coup, um, and I felt the need to talk about something along these lines each year, but I just wasn't ready. I hadn't thought about enough. I hadn't been through enough. Um, I'd been asking God for patience for a really long time, but I was doing it wrong. I decided to stop asking for the quality and start to ask for opportunities to exercise the quality. God delivered. It's been very scary and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm at. So if you know anything about the ministry department or if you're in the ministry department, you know that we have to go through rounds and rounds and rounds and rounds of difficult theology classes. 
And the way it's structured is that you just like get all of this information that flips your world upside down. You go write a paper about it, then you go home and do it the next day with no recovery time at all. Um, so it's just been a couple of years of my world getting turned upside down every single day and having like no time to heal. But now I'm left coming here and I have to, um, so I help with the youth group. I write our curriculum. So I have to write curriculum for um, these high school students and middle school students and make it accessible and comfortable for them, still challenge them at the same time, but I'm still dealing with all of this internal turmoil, right? <laughs> and I'm trying to not let that bleed out onto them. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this has left me in sort of a weird position when I deal with the Bible myself. Um, in our youth group, we're going through the entire Bible in three years. Um, <laughs> so, I've been dealing with a lot of like not letting my own frustrations creep out into what we're talking about with the students, right? So like, okay, Genesis, Adam and Eve, like this whole deal, eh, we're from two people and their children and they're related to each other, so. Fine. It's a little weird, but it's fine. And then you keep reading the Bible, and like Noah makes the ark, and then he puts the animals on the ark two by two. We've all been to Sunday school. Most of us have been to Sunday school. We know that, right? But like also, if you keep reading on the Bible, it says that Noah put the animals on the ark two by two by seven. Um, moving on. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and then you read about the flood, but then you think, hey, the pressure from an earth entirely encompassed in water would make the earth collapse in on itself killing marine life, killing plant life, um, and then the planet would be dead and unable to, to sustain all life afterwards. So it's fine, though. It's fine. And then who wrote the, the first five books of the Bible? We hear, like, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, but do you know what Moses does in Deuteronomy? He gets super dead, like, before the book is over. So did he write about that? I don't know. I probably wouldn't want to do that. There's <laughs> all of these things in scripture that just don't make sense and I'm stuck wanting to believe but I'm also dealing with what I know and I don't know what to do with that. It's absolutely exhausting and it creates this dissonance in me that I'm afraid is going to spill out on other people and hurt people, especially people who have simple faith, which when I look at people with simple faith, I get so acidic and jealous and I hate that about myself, but oh my god, I wish that there were no complications in what I believed. Um, so it's got me kind of thinking, like, is one better than the other? Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to think? Because I really just shouldn't be a religious person, honestly. Like, the way my brain works, it's just, I love empirical evidence so much, <laughs> and it just, it, it doesn't make sense for me to believe what I do, but here we are. <laughs> um, so I guess instead of me just talking about myself, I'm going to talk about what this means for all of you. Um, so I've been getting very frustrated recently with <laughs> the way um, our country and our culture specifically interpret Christianity, right? Like American Christianity is very either or. Um, to this thing or this thing like oh we can't have an, a god like who exists alongside evil because god is this not this there's we never live in this gray area right so what do we do with that well simplicity doesn't make your faith weak right because like if you don't need to investigate it doesn't mean that it's not weak or anything and also complex faith doesn't make you a heretic 
Don't worry about it. I might be saying that for myself. But <laughs> it's, it's, it, you're fine. You're fine. It's good. Investigate. Learn. Um, so something I've been thinking about a lot recently is this quote from Paul Tillich. He's a theologian. Um, it's very short, very simple. I wish I thought of it myself, but I didn't. Um, the opposite of faith isn't doubt. It's certainty. Uh, <laughs> um, so I guess that that's a very like ethereal thing. I'm gonna pluck it down and we're gonna apply it. Um, so uh, there's a fairly common analogy that like a church can be a greenhouse, right? To develop people, create specific certain ideal conditions for plants to like do their thing, right? You go into a greenhouse on a zero degree day, and it can still be hot and steamy inside, right? It's certain perfect ideal conditions to make plants grow and do their best. Great, but what happens if you take one of those plants out of the greenhouse and try and plant it outside? It, it's gonna die, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so that just doesn't seem right, right? Like if you, if you make a church that has all of these ideal conditions um, for growth and then you like transplant someone or an outsider comes in, it just won't work, most likely. Um, so I prefer to think of it like wildflowers. So if um, there's any students in the room, like high school, middle school students, hmm, um, we during boot camp went to Goodenow Grove, it's just a local forest preserve, and we had a talk with a woman who was telling us about uh, preserving our, like the prairie lands, right? And the importance of that, and what happens if you bring native plants into your garden. So if you bring native plants into your garden, um, ones that are local to the area, and it's put specifically where they need to grow, your garden's going to thrive, no matter what you plant in there, right? Because native plants are made for the soil, they form tap roots, plants that shouldn't coexist alongside each other coexist very, very well, and like if you plant, like say your tomato garden next to your wildflower garden, they're going to thrive because there's wild specific environments made for the soil that can just do their thing. So, not certainty, but a little bit of confusion, not confusion, but gray areas is something that creates ideal conditions, right? Because like even though I'm a horrible prickly thorn bush, <laughs> there's still a lot of like good happy wildflowers that can coexist alongside me and then together my difficulties and their simplicities can create an ideal environment for other things to flourish. <laughs> so that's what is so special about a community like this, right? There's very few of us here that have grown up their whole lives in this church. Um, even then they're not very old. So we all come with our own thing, right? Like, I grew up hopping from church to church. I have a lot of different denominational backgrounds. Um, we have people in here who grew up Catholic. We have people in here who grew up without a faith at all. So we all kind of just interpret how we should do church differently, right? And it's just a very good open space for us to wildflower it out out here. <laughs> but that also creates a lot of dissonance as well. Um, so... I say this to the girls in my small group a lot when we talk about difficult things, but we talk about hows all the time. We talk about hows in theology classes, too. Um, how do we interpret this thing? Like, how God was Jesus? That's less of a question. How do we do communion? How do we understand what communion is? How do we understand baptism? Do we sprinkle? Do we dip? What do we do? How, 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 how? <laughs> how do you possibly...
posture yourself during worship? Do you just stand there and sing? Do you think? Do you raise your hands? Do you go off and draw the chalk in the back? There's lots of different hows. And those hows can create so many problems. Historically, they have done nothing but rip people apart. Right? Like, if I say the year 1054 to a Greek Orthodox person, they're going to turn beet red because we know about the schism. It's fine. I'm going to stop with the history stuff. <laughs> so... The hows are good, the hows can help you, but the most important thing at the end of the day is the why. That's it. Why are you here? Why are you taking communion? Why are you worshiping the way you are? If we can all get on board with a good, unified why, none of that other stuff is going to matter. My why is the same as yours if we're here with the right intent. My dissonance, my hurt, my confusion, my laying in my bed at night, staring into the void, <laughs> doesn't matter. It might help me understand things, but it's not important at the end of the day, right? Like, whether or not I believe there was a worldwide flood does not make or break my faith in God at all. So, this has been on my mind for so long, and it's just been making me sad. <laughs> so, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the band King's Kaleidoscope, right? Um, they had an album come out about a month and a half ago called Zeal, which uh, is a fantastic album, but the second to last song on the album is called Oxygen. If you get a chance to listen to it, please do. Um, it's beautiful, and I wasn't expecting for them to do what they did. Halfway through the song, um, the melody for Jesus Loves Me starts to play. And I'm not a crier, but I've thought about the feeling of crying. Um, <laughs> because I forgot. I, I forgot. Um, I forgot this like simple thing that we all learn if we grew up in the church as children. This one specific tiny why that is so, so easy to understand. And I don't want you to forget that. Please, because it's just going to cause unrest if that's something that's forgotten. Um, yeah, so this week, try and think about your why. For the rest of the day, think about your why. Why are you going to stay for burgers after? Uh, <laughs> why? Why are you going to take your finals? Why are you going to do as best as you can in your finals? Just go out, examine everything, allow yourself to question, or don't. Either way, you're doing good. Okay, that's what I have. Sean, you're up. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, I know you're all like, oh, it's not only girls sharing today. Sucks. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got me. But um, this is actually a special day for me because this is my one-year anniversary at second place. So thank you. Uh, I actually joined the community a year ago today. Uh, Joe took a chance at me. It was only my third time here. And I was like, I want to share. So he was like, who are you? What do you want to, what are you saying? Like, do you know Jesus? Like, are you, uh, yeah, I got it. Um, but that was awesome. That was the beginning of an era for me. I love second place. Um, it was awesome. And uh, as you can see, I am not native in any sense of the word. I'm not even from here. Uh, so I'm a long ways from home. Uh, and it's already been a year. I can't believe it. I'm a sophomore, so I'm right in the middle of my college journey, I guess. And uh, as I keep going, people, usually older people, keep saying, enjoy your time in college, it's the best years of your life. And I'm like, all right, you old fart, like, go tell Moses I said hi, whatever. Like, you know, it's awesome. And now it's a year later, and I'm like, oh my goodness, old people are wizards. Like,
some backstory. Last year when I shared, it was in a completely different place. I was not nearly as happy. I wasn't making nearly as many bad jokes as I am right now uh, because I was about as close to depression as I think I've ever been in my life. Uh, the end of freshman year, I was contemplating whether or not I even wanted to come back to Illinois at all. Uh, not because it's Illinois, but because I wasn't sure uh, if I wanted to be at Olivet anymore. And that was rough. That was really rough. I loved Olivet. I'd made friends. It wasn't that I wasn't committed. I spent the whole year I loved Olivet. And right at the last month, everything fell apart. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But that's the backstory. So this isn't so much of a testimony of my life as it is a victory update in the past year because God has done so much. And from there, there has just been nothing but victory and triumph in the last year. So I'm going to testify to that. Uh, so the Bible verse that inspired me to speak today was Psalm 30, 11 through 12. And David does something awesome. David is an interesting person because he's depressed and then he's happy in the same psalm, and it's awesome. But at the end of the psalm where he has victory, he always says, So Lord, I will stand in the congregation of your people and I will testify to the works that you've done in my life. And so in Psalm 30, he says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. And get this, the end part of that verse is the best part. He says, to the end, for the purpose that I might sing your praises and not be silent. That's why. That's why you switched my whole situation around so that I could stand up here right now and tell all of you what's going on. So, without further ado, I know you're like, what happened? I don't, I don't. Um, so, first things first, school, right? All of that uh, freshman year was rough. I was a zoology major. As you can see, that's nothing close to what I am right now. Uh, I love animals. I still want to work with animals. Uh, but the Lord really called me to ministry. And chemistry kicked my butt up and down. All freshman year, I hated it. Uh, probably the biggest deliverance story I'm going to tell you right now was chemistry. I made it. I'm out. It's done. Uh, I know. Praise. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but it was really rough. I don't know. It really made me question whether or not I wanted to stay at Olivet. Um, my major, uh, you know, my grades, all of it was kind of shot through. And I was like, okay, this isn't working. I don't know what to do. Uh, and besides that, I just wasn't sure if I was going to come back. And that's rough because I'm trying to apply for housing. I'm trying to apply for, you know, or register for classes. You can't do that if you don't know if you're coming back. And so um, that would mean leaving behind a year's worth of friends, a year's worth of connections and relationships that I built, and I really didn't want to do that. Um, so that was a huge source of um, just sadness and sorrow for me. Uh, but as you can see, I still go to all of that. It's a year later. I'm back. I'm a ministry major now, ministerial missions. I love it. I love missions. Uh, but as uh, Emma talked about, being a, a ministry major is kind of rough. You get your world ripped apart and then put together in 45 minutes. Uh, which is awesome. It's kind of fun sometimes, but other times it's not. Uh, but that was the first major thing that God really flipped in my life was my academic career, my grades, all of it. It was awesome the way he did that. Uh, jobs, oh my goodness, let me tell you guys. Uh, so freshman year, I could not get a job on campus. Uh, and when you're in that stage where you're, I'm 19, so I'm a kid compared to all of you guys. Most of you are like 20, 21, which makes you adults. Um, but I'm 19. Uh, so when you're in that stage, you kind of want to get out from under your parents. Um, and you don't want to keep relying on them. Uh, I had no job freshman year. Today I have like five at once. Um, so I just got done of a semester doing two jobs. I was a caller for Olivet and I was a uh, mentor or a coach, an academic coach helping other people uh, who are going through what I went through a year ago, which is awesome. I love that. I'm a camp counselor all summer for $326 a week. That's insane uh, to teach middle school kids about Jesus Christ for that much money. I didn't think that was a thing. Um, and then next year, I'm the writer for the yearbook for all of that. Um, and so I'm just swimming in money. No, I'm not. Uh, it's okay. Uh, but <laughs> I went from no job to like four. And so I was really praising God for that one because he really gives an abundance. Um, and I, I'm learning every day to trust him more because of that. Um, ministry. That was, this one's a bit of a smaller one, but I didn't have a ministry. I, I had so much passion for the Lord and no way to express it. 
Um, and so I, this semester actually, I just got done with my second year with Hope Clark. She's not here, I don't think, but she was my uh, co-leader. Um, and we led a growth group on campus and we were able to um, have such a great time teaching people uh, about the Lord and just having community together. So that was a really awesome opportunity. And like I said, I'll be doing ministry all summer for like two and a half months straight, um, teaching middle schoolers about Jesus Christ. So I'm super excited for that. Um, but lastly, the most important one, and that's this is the one I guess I'll put the most emphasis on, was the emotional and relational pain I was going through last year. So many of you might know, uh, some of you don't, I'll leave it that way. But um, I went through an extremely difficult breakup uh, at the end of my freshman year. Um, I lost a lot of friends, it felt like. I felt like I was really alone, and that's what kind of contributed to my depression the most. Um, it was really hard. And so, uh, I don't know, I was really distraught. That broke most. I'm a very people-oriented person. So the reason why I'm so comfortable talking up here is because for me, you're not a crowd. You're individuals that I'm looking at right now. I'm talking to each of you individually. I love people. Um, and so losing people hurts really bad. Um, and so last time I was here a year ago, standing on this very stage talking to you guys, many of you might remember that, actually, by the way. Um, I came in here, and I had to deal with the pain of saying you know, goodbye to this person I thought I loved. That was awful. Um, but a year later, get this, catch this, God is good. I walked in here today with the person that I'm praying God would make my wife. She is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and yeah, last night I got to uh, brag about her because she wasn't here. She is here now. I'm not going to draw attention to her because she hates me and I'm not evil. Uh, so uh, it's fine. But uh, I brag about her all the time because she's so awesome. She's amazing. Um, and God really flipped the script on that one. And so I'm really praising him for that one. Uh, I'll point her out after we're done here just to embarrass her a little bit. But uh, for now, I'll be merciful. I'll be merciful. Um, but anyways... All that to say, why am I telling you this, right? Why am I, uh, why am I up here telling you this victory? You're going to hear a lot of different representations with these stories. You've heard people who are still struggling with what they're going through, some people who are talking about the past, and so I guess my representation is victory, right? Sometimes it's not always, you know, the valley. Sometimes we're on the mountains, and that's where I am now. And I, when we're in the valleys, we have to testify to God's goodness. When we're on the mountains, we have to testify to God's goodness. And so what I'm going to leave you guys with is this idea that the future belongs to God. Right? He knows it, so we have to trust him with it. And that's pretty basic. But the idea is that when you trust him with the future, he will always show himself faithful every time. So when he does, it's our job to then tell somebody. I don't know. Sometimes God gives us something, and we go, ooh, that's nice. It's mine. You know? But no, he's saying, I want you to be extra with it. Like, go tell people and tell them who gave it to you. Go tell them what I did for you. And so that's what I'm trying to do now. Uh, and so when, you know, like Jesse mentioned, when we share our testimonies of victory, it not only solidifies and seals your victory, it might be the roadway to someone else's. It might open the door to someone else's triumph and victory. Um, and so uh, if we don't tell our story, no one will. No one's going to tell it for you. Maybe after you're dead, but that's no fun. Um, that's, you don't want that. So tell your story while you're still here. Tell what God's doing in your life. Uh, life is best understood looking back, but it's best lived moving forward. I'm not sure who said that. Might have been Dr. Bowling. I don't know. I, I think it was. Uh, I, I didn't come up with it. I'm just citing that right now. That wasn't me. But anyways, yeah, no, I just wanted to testify. And it's been a year. I mean, God has completely changed my, my state of mind, my state of heart from where I was a year ago, depressed, you know, trusting that maybe things were going to turn out okay. And here I am a year later telling you guys everything is fantastic because God is good and he is faithful. And you all know that, but it's good to see it in someone's life. So that's what I got. Take like five seconds and like stand up and like stretch. We've been sitting for a while.
weeks, obviously, with like this time happening, um, I've been thinking a lot about my four years at school um, and trying to like process as much as I can. And it feels like I'm just like in the mud, like all day, just thinking through and like trying to like slowly and methodically be thankful for like the relationships that I've built and the experiences I've had. Um, and what I kind of rested on as I process a lot of this is that um, I'm a very different person than I was four years ago. <laughs> and I, I've been trying to figure out like why that is, because um, some of you knew me before college. Um, I was a mess, you know. I was, um, so I'm just trying to figure out like how did like 18 year old Micah turn into like 22 year old Micah with like just a lot of change things about him. Um, and then this verse came up. So Nathan, if you want to put that up. Uh, this is what came to mind, and I think it answers some of those questions. So, come from Romans 6. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Um, so the newness of life there at the end, that's kind of where um, I feel. I feel different. I feel new and like, yeah, who's um, I feel different. I feel like, yeah, there's something in me that's like alive and like I feel creative and excited about like my life. And um, it's because all of these experiences that I've had um, and the relationships I've built have played into me now realizing in hindsight that although they're bringing new life and awakening what Christ has done in my life. So um, I don't know about you, but like if you're in a good spot or in a bad spot right now, um, like a lot of them have been saying, um, we have an opportunity and a choice to tap into the newness. Um, he's not going to force it on us, but when we declare him Lord of our lives, there's opportunity to be um, made alive in him and to do things that we never thought possible. So an analogy uh, that I came up with on the fly last night um, was this. So Aaron's going to play me an A chord. Um, by the way, yeah, I, I'm a music major. I think about music all the time. It's how I process the world. So yes, I'm a nerd. Um, so Aaron's playing an A chord. Um, and describe what this makes you feel. What are you hearing? It's a major chord. It's very, it's there. It's functional. We use a lot of eight, like the song where the first song we'll play is an A. There's gonna be a lot of eight chords in it. So if there's a, there's a, there's a purpose to it, but it's very just like, it's just an A. Now he's gonna play an A major seven chord. Major seven, a bit more fun. Um, jazz music uses a lot of seven chords, so like. You know, there's just, there's just a little bit more creativity, there's more play, um, there's more things you can do with it, and it's fun. And, and so what that makes me think of is, you know, when I'm living my life, I want people to be able to hear, like, those intricacies and, like, the fun notes in my life. And to see that, like, what I'm doing isn't just, like, a normal 
everyday course. You know, my life is something that's like exciting and um, I'm pushing myself and people see that and then want to do that themselves. So that's my first thing. I encourage you to find the major seven in your life and like go after it and represent Christ with like everything you have and be creative and tap into who he's made you to be. Then, so let's do the same progression. So what was that? One, five, six, one, four. Okay. He knows. Don't worry about it. He's good. You don't need to know. All right, so. from a different key that we're not talking about today. He took it and he placed it into our key that we're talking about. Um, and oftentimes minor keys are like equated to like sadness and like, mm. but uh, right, it's like, oh no, something terrible is going to happen. It doesn't have to be the case. Minor keys have to be my favorite. There's a lot of things you can do with it. So, um, so minor things in our lives, we often think you know, maybe they are that bad. But I think that in the context of our lives and in the progression, the minor chords actually function really well and add to it and bring it depth. Because um, if, if it was all major chords, we'd get bored, honestly. Um, so you can play that. You can play that. Um, and so I guess my challenge is to you is to embrace the minor things of your life that maybe like they're not the best but understand that there's a purpose and there's a beauty in it and there's a there's a depth to it that we don't always understand right in the moment because the minor chord is not just a minor chord when it's in the context of the song. Um, so as we stand and go into worship um, and the band can come up, um, the beauty of worship, yeah, you guys can stay. You guys can stay. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So, um, over my four years, I got to travel a lot, and I also got to, and I led worship, and then I led, I lead worship here on Sunday now. Um, worship for me is like my sanctuary. Um, it's where I, I recharge. It's very life-giving for me. Um, and it's what's sustained me through like all of these ups and downs and all of the good and the bad. Um, because the cool thing about God is, regardless if, if I'm in a good spot or a bad spot, or whether I'm, I'm sad or angry or frustrated or happy, like these words ring true regardless. Um, so I challenge you to sing these words not uh, because you have to, but because you can, and like God's willing to just like be there. And you can declare these words as truths, even if maybe you're not feeling them right now. Um, so as we go into this time, uh, I'm just gonna pray for us, and then we'll sing. Um, God, you are so good. Um, and we thank you for the testimonies you allowed to be shared today. I pray that uh, this this time of worship can just be uh, honoring to you. And may we just declare who you are right now um, because you are that good and you are merciful uh, and you love us. So we just give you this time right now. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So God, we do, we say, Lord, that you are our Savior, our Defender, our Redeemer. And Lord, we just thank you so much. We praise you right now. Lord, may these words be our prayer. May they be our testimony. Before we go, um, I wanted to, uh, like, remind us all something. And so, uh, I guess it's you again, Kate. I'm going to give Kate this plant, this fern. And, and yeah, so great, right? It's so good to have a fern when you're walking through the day, you know? So let's just imagine, like, that she walks through this day with this fern that I gave her. And, and so when you do that, when you walk around with a plant, it's really weird. And people ask you, hey, so why do you have, like, where did you get that fern? And, and you'll say, <laughs> so she'll say, well, yeah, what she wouldn't say is like, well, I, I just, I just got this fern, you know, and it's mine and, and it's just here. And I'm like, I'm watering it. It's my fern. She'll be like this weird dude named Joe gave it to me. And you know, what's interesting in scripture is that time and time and time again, God reminds his people to not forget him. And so imagine that this, this plant is, is something that God is working out in Kate's story. You, you, if you were in the first service, you would have heard her share a little bit about that. And it might be a healing. It might be something God's working. It might be an experience. It might be a blessing that God has given to her. And so if she were to go through her life and people were to say, hey, what's all that that you're holding there? That, that's, that's really cool. Like, what is that? Oh, I did that. I, I'm the one that... that made this fern. I made this one that made this healing or this experience happen to me. And, and God reminds his people, don't forget him. And so it would be weird for her to like take credit for making the fern when I gave it to her. And it would be weird for her not to tell her story about what God is doing in her life because he's the one that's making that grow, not her. And, and so I think just as a random illustration before you go is to encourage you not to forget the things that God is doing in your life because you got to hear from some students today but you got to remember what God is doing in your life and we talked about that and I hope that as you leave that you would be um, inspired to to take some time to, to put some words to that so let me ask you a question um, if you're a college student and this is your last Sunday with us until next semester raise your hand like look at you guys get on out of here man um, now raise your hand if, if you're a senior and you're not going to be back next weekend. You're not going to be back next weekend? Oh my goodness, maybe. All right. So I want us just to take a second to, what's that? That is graduation weekend. So, all right. So we're going uh, to pray a blessing on all those that are, that are going to be departing for the summer as well as all of us as we will be back next week. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, we lift up these students to you, and we lift up all of us, Lord God, and we pray, Lord, that you would continue to do a work in us. Lord, as we begin to put words to what you're doing in our life, that, God, that we would be reminded that it is always about redemption. It is always about freedom. It is always about healing. It is always about provision. These things that we see you doing in our life, Lord God, help us not to forget to give you credit. Help us to never take credit for what you're doing in our life. But Lord, help us to remember that it's a partnership, that it's a partnership between you and us. And Lord, as we allow you to work in us, Lord, we pray that we would be quick, Lord God, to give you credit and to give you give our testimony about what it is that you are doing in our life. 
Give us the words. Give us the vulnerability. Give us the confidence in Christ, like we just sang that song, that we would begin to walk through this summer and this next week with confidence to share our story, or at least to begin to write it down a little bit and to know and understand what it is that you're doing in our heart. Because truly, 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 it reminds us that the grave is empty, the tomb is empty. It reminds us that the enemy is defeated. And so, Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you praise. I pray a blessing upon the food and upon the lunch that we're about to partake together. I pray that you bless those that have put together this meal for us. And, Lord, that we would be able to spend some time being the church together in the next few minutes. We thank you, Lord, so much for all these blessings that we have. In Jesus' name we pray.